0: episode 47 of The Build. We're doing two in one week. We're in our Otto in and era. Our Louis Belpedio period, our Kenny Agostino time, and one more for good measure, our Alex Raduloff chapter. Just one year in Montreal for Alex Raduloff, but boy, it was a really fun one. Um, I made the mistake of buying a Raduloff jersey during the winter of that season um, at the NHL store in New York City. Uh, And to be honest, I don't really regret it. It was a fun guy to have around. It's a neat novelty jersey. Um, A fun 47. But since then, that one's, I mean, even with that one, everyone who's worn that has been one and done. So anyway, that's enough of that bit. We have a potentially franchise-altering night to recap for the Montreal Canadiens. So we are just going to jump right into that. Montreal had the fifth overall selection in the 2023 NHL Entry Draft, and they have selected defenseman David Reinbacher. After much speculation, Montreal goes with the guy that we've kind of heard connected with them since the draft lottery. After an afternoon of mixed signals coming out of Nashville where the Canadians were allegedly very impressed with Michkoff, they went with the guy that they likely had their eye on as soon as they lost the Bedard sweepstakes.
1: Um, So fifth fifth overall, Montreal took David Reinbacher. Man, that was a really rough moment for Carey Price, huh? I mean, we'll
0: get to the actual ramifications of the pick in a second. I have no idea what happened there with Carey Price, but good on Kent Hughes for stepping in to save him. Uh, my internet cut out right as the Sharks pick, you know, was announced and they had, they interviewed him and it came back just in time for the Canadians pick, but I thought it had crashed again during the pick. Um, not exactly what Habs fans wanted to hear or how they wanted to hear it. Um, so let's, let's just get into this, huh? I want to couch two very separate ideas from one another. Because David Reinbacher is going to be a very good NHL player. Most scouts and most of the data analysts seem to believe that. I believe that in, in them, you know, presenting those ideas. And I want to chat a little bit about the kind of player Montreal is getting in Reinbacher. But before all that, I kind of want to talk about the idea of the value of that pick and how the Canadians handled it, because I think it's telling in a lot of different ways. We sort of had the idea that Montreal was going in this direction at pick five. That's why, you know, the Canadians were rumored to be shopping that pick around to move back in the top ten, grab more assets, potentially get the guy they want anyway. Ultimately, they decided not to make those trades. I know Philadelphia was interested at, and they, they held pick seven, where they ultimately ended up drafting Madve anyway. And I know fans are a little upset because they think, you know, probably at the time that Montreal could have gotten David Reinbacher at seven while picking up other assets from Philadelphia along the way. But then, Arizona walked up with pick number six and took Russian defenseman Dmitry Simashev. And after the fact, I believe Arpin was talking with one of Reinbacher's coaches from Switzerland... Who was saying, you know, they weren't surprised he was going to go somewhere from four to eight. Um, he had talked to a lot of people from Arizona. So it's not out of the question to believe that the Coyotes had their eye on Reinbacher and would have taken him at pick,
1: at pick six. And that they were going to go defenseman no matter what. The trade offers that they
0: got for pick five were not enough for them to feel like they could part ways with what they think they're getting in David Reinbacher. That's how I am compartmentalizing what I saw and what I heard on Wednesday night. Not only to to hold the pick and not move it, but to make the pick that they ended up making. Which brings me to the feelings that I have about the use of that pick with no connection to the merits of David Reinbacher as a hockey player. This pick represented a lot of pain for this franchise. Another bottom-feeding season where not a lot went right. It's the second straight season with no real hope of playoffs. Next year will be a third. I don't think there's really any chance that this team is going to improve enough, even if they're all healthy, to compete in a very competitive Eastern Conference in a very, very competitive Atlantic Division. And I don't think that's the expectation of anyone, right? Like, I don't think... I'm breaking new ground by telling you guys that they're probably not a playoff team next year. But this draft represented an opportunity to exchange that pain for a potentially franchise-altering player. At the fifth spot, Montreal was going to either get one of the centers if the teams ahead of them went off the board, which sort of happened with, with Adam Fantilli falling to three, but picks one through three were picks 1 through 3 just in different orders. So no one, no one slid to the Canadians at 5. So Montreal was either going to get one of the centers if one of the teams above them went with, say, David Reinbacher or even Matve-Mitchkov, or they were going to have the chance to draft a potentially generational winger in matve Michkov. To not leave with one of those and only Matvey Miedchikov was available in that moment, so to not leave with the 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 generational—I don't know if he's generational. He's probably in that same tier with Bedard, but that very, very, very highly talented offensive powerhouse in Miedchikov, who was available in that moment, it is very hard if not impossible, for me to feel anything other than underwhelmed and disappointed. Which sucks because it's a situation that this team has put David Reinbacker in. And I'm not saying that the team you know, has to bend to the will of the fans. Because that's not, that's not the case. They're not going to make the picks just because they want us to make the picks. But it stinks that David Reinbacher's put in this situation. And I, I do think that he's, he was probably valued around that
1: spot in NHL circles. But he's always going to be compared to the player they passed on,
0: which, which stinks. It's just going to be really hard to overcome. It feels like a pick for need, and not just a we-need-a-defenseman pick. But it was a pick for a right-handed defenseman, which are valuable in the NHL, no doubt. But drafting for need is is not something that good teams do, especially with higher end, you know, higher
1: value picks, because your needs change year over year. When Re- when Reinbacher gets here in a year or two. The needs might shift. Yeah, that that need for a
0: right defenseman might might still exist. But they might learn in a year or two or three that they really they really needed a player like Madve Michkov to, to you know kick this offense into a new gear. Because you know what you know what else is a need for this Canadians team now and in the future? Goals. It can't just be Cole Caulfield scoring 40 every year, and the next closest player is probably Nick Suzuki coming up around 30. Ryan Prout on Twitter put together a chart of every team's last 82-point players, essentially your point-per-game guys. The Habs' last player to do that was Alex Kovalev in 2007-2008. And unless Suzuki or Caulfield or Doc or... Slavkovsky take massive, unprecedented steps forward in the near future, that is going to stay that way. If they aspire to add a top scorer in the future, they will have to spend other assets in other ways because they chose not to do it with this pick. And we can argue about the merits of that and, you know, which which kind of piece is harder to find in the trade market or the free agent market I'll be honest, I feel like we see a whole lot more top defensemen get moved than we do, you know, franchise altering offensive talents capable of 80 plus points. Again, it's not impossible to do, but it's expensive. You can try to pull off a Jack Eichel trade or a Mark Stone trade. I mean, both those guys ended up on the same team. It is possible, but if it was possible, I mean, if it was a realistic or you know,
1: definite way of, of acquiring those kinds of players, why haven't the Canadians done it in 20 years? In two or three years, if we are looking at this team thinking they need more scoring, right as Michkoff
0: would have been joining the team, it's hard to find the fifth overall pick as a, as a win, regardless of how Reinbacher plays out, which I know is unfair, but this is a business. Like,
1: it's always going to be viewed that way. With all of that said, I get the disappointment with the pick.
0: I'm disappointed not that it is David Reinbacher, but that it is not the guy that represented that shift in offensive philosophy and that shift in offensive value for the Canadians. We will not know how this plays out for a few years.
1: I feel pretty certain that I know how Miechkoff's going to end up. And I know people are tired of hearing it.
0: That we need to let this play out because frankly, I'm tired of hearing it and I'm tired of saying it because I kind of wish that we could just pick players that, that we don't have to
1: place that caveat on. Especially since it's not like we're drafting 20th through 30th. These are
0: two top five picks in a row where we're saying uh, we got to see how it plays out. It's frustrating. I get I get the frustration from Canadians fans. I really do. And while I'm disappointed, I'm not going to do the whole Doom thing. It's just not in my I if I, you know, if I do that sort of thing, this whole podcast kind of goes out the window, right? Because the whole point of this is to is to catalog how they're going to build a winner. And progress isn't linear. I understand that. But with with all of this being the with the point of this entire podcast being that I believe that one day they will do that. One thing this pick did change was my expectations for this rebuild. Picking Matvey-Michkov would have been a sign that this is going to take longer. Think about it. You're picking a guy who wasn't going to make an impact for three years due to his, his contractual status in the KHL. It pushes that clock out on the rebuild a little bit. It 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 buys Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton a little bit of time to figure the rest of this roster out. I don't know when Reinbacker's going to be here and be an impact player, but he doesn't come with that contractual buffer
1: that Matvey Michkov had. So Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton have indicated, at least in my eyes, That they expect this to be closer to being competitive in less than three years. Maybe that's unfair. And I'd I'd be willing to hear arguments to the contrary, but... One of the only realistic knocks against
0: Matt Michkov is his contractual status in the Continental Hockey League. And I don't... I, I, I can't help but think that the Canadians are overvaluing what they currently have in Montreal or in the pipeline to the point where they're saying we can't really afford to wait three years. We have to start turning the you know turning this over in the next two two years or so. Can talked about taking the best player available and this if this is an indication of what the amateur scouting department thinks of skilled players like Matt Michkov, I'm not so optimistic about this podcast ending anytime soon. Remember this whole thing is a, is a, uh, is a bit. Once they win, it's over. They built it. That's the build. So I'm not like if, if they can't find it in them to spend high draft capital on players like Matt Michkov, I don't know how close we
1: are to, to this being over. So to the fans who are bummed, I'm right there with you. I think
0: that the way that this is going to be looked at is not that they threw the pick away,
1: but it's a missed opportunity, undoubtedly. I'm not going anywhere (laughs)
0: as much as I see the I'm done with this team tweets. I know you'll be here too.
1: This team has given us plenty of reasons to, to walk away from them. I don't think David Reinbacker's that reason.
0: But disappointed is feeling disappointed is entirely justified.
1: If you came here to have somebody tell you how your feelings are valid, there it is. So with that, let's uh actually talk about the player the Canadians
0: get in David Reinbacker. Um, playing for Clotin, I believe that's how that's pronounced, of the Swiss League. Reinbacher was a big riser in drafts this year. He played 46 games in Switzerland this year, scoring three goals, 19 assists for 22 points. Um, one thing I've kind of latched onto in this draft season is the NHL E-models or NHL equivalency models, which try to create a level playing field for prospects playing in different leagues. Um, they seem to like Reinbacher's offensive game and his his sort of... NHL equivalency of what he's doing currently in the Swiss League to how it will translate to an NHL game. Um, Womax on Twitter, who recently joined the Montreal force of the PHF as a data engineer, so congrats, Max, was uh, sharing some charts from the, the Draft Digest. Um, that model seems to think Reinbacker is a sure NHLer and a pretty good chance of becoming a star at about 56%. Uh, Patrick Bacon of Top Down Hockey was a little more optimistic about his future, his model makes him a sure NHLer and a 66% chance of becoming a star. He also had Reinbacher ranked fifth in this model. So he notes on Twitter he represents solid value here for Montreal. So, you know, you, I think that you can't, with Reinbacher, you can't make the argument that the Canadians are bucking the analytics trend. It seems like there's, there are statistical models that back his draft position. If those models aren't your thing, here's some scouting words. Um, Corey Pronman in The Athletic, who's sort of been right on the money with what the Canadians have done the last two years with their first-round picks. Um, He said David Reinbacher was a top-four defenseman for his NLA team this year. He had the second-most productive draft season by a player in in NLA history behind Austin Matthews and the best by a defenseman. Uh, He was a top player for Austria at the 2023 World Juniors He played regular minutes for Austria's senior team at the Deutschland Cup. He played for Austria's U20 team at the uh, 2022 World Juniors as well. He adds he's an excellent all-around defenseman with standout mobility, strong gap control, high level of compete to win pucks back. Uh, He can skate the puck up the ice or pass it. He's not dynamic with the puck, but he is already making plays like a pro at a very young age. The Elite Prospects 2023 draft guide has this to say. His game rests on a projectable, rock-solid defensive foundation. As opponents attack through the neutral zone, he gaps up early, builds speed, going backwards to match that of the puck carrier, takes away the middle of the ice with his stick, and closes with force once he's registered support. As I alluded to earlier in my conversation about drafting for need, Montreal has a need for a top-pairing right-handed defenseman. So it seems like we can cross that off the to-do list for the time being. And in doing so, they add to a pretty decent stable of defensemen coming into their professional careers in Caden Gooley, who's already a season deep into his, as is Justin Barron and Jordan Harris. um, And Logan Mayu and uh, Lane Hudson are going to be here sooner rather than later. So the defensive structure of this team seems to be uh, the strength of this roster, you know, p- projecting it out a few years. Um they have some good offensive players, but it's not incredibly deep. Um but the defense really looks like it's going to be a, a a shining, you know, piece for the Canadians, and that's not even considering, you know, Michael Matheson who's still here and will I would imagine the Canadians would like to keep him beyond his current contract. Um it doesn't take into account Jonathan Kovacevic, who's been a fantastic, um, you know, find on waivers for the Canadians. It doesn't take into account Arbor Jacki. Does he take a step next year and and sort of solidify himself as as part of this, you know, defensive rotation moving forward? And I'd be lying if I said a potential hudson Rhinebacker first pairing of defense didn't excite me. That's something that, you know, we're looking around the league and looking, especially around the conference that teams stockpiling offensive assets up front there, you'd be hard pressed to find a a team who, you know, they, they will have strong op- defensive options. Like Buffalo's going to have, you know, Owen power and Rasmus Dahlin, um, New Jersey. They just drafted, I believe, was it Simon Nemitz that they picked? I can't even remember at this point. um, So teams are also taking that into account, but the Canadians have some really strong depth on defense and not depth in the sense that they have third-pairing guys who are always going to be third-pairing guys, but, you know, a top-to-bottom really strong defensive core. Um, You know, going back to that potential Lane Hudson-David Reinbacher pairing, Reinbacher might not be dynamic with the puck, but Lane Hudson sure is. That seems like one of those defensive pairings you'd make in, like, NHL 06 where, like, when you put a, an offensive defenseman with a defensive defenseman, like the chemistry just like boosted both of their their play their like overall rate ratings. I feel like that's the sort of real life application of that. Um, Reinbacher seemed to indicate that he's going back to Switzerland for a year, so we won't see him right away. Which honestly is probably for the best. I was kind of arguing that they should have left Slavkovsky in Finland last year, um, but. Reinbacher represents a kind of player that teams are always trying to find. The big right shot defenseman is hard to find, and spending high draft capital on one makes sense. The immediate comparisons in that department, not only as a, you know, a, a, spending high draft capital on a player, but also the kind of player you would spend dra- high draft capital on are, is more at um, that comparison is obvious and seemingly appropriate. And if Reinbacher turns out like Mort Sider, I'm sure the criticisms of this pick will fade a bit. They'll always be around because I I really do believe in in the abilities and future of Madve Michkov. But if Reinbacher turns out to be a surefire number one defenseman with 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 star potential, it's it's definitely something the Canadians are happy with the Canadians fans are happy with. It's easy to see why the Canadians fell in love with this player and refused to trade the opportunity to pick him. Um you know, they're taking a big bet. Like not on the player, because I think the player is a really safe pick. His floor is safe. Teams seem you know around the league, around the, you know, the the scouting communities, they seem to be convinced that he is an NHL defenseman. But, the, so that, that doesn't put the bet on the drafting of him. It puts the development on the... the, or puts the yeah, I just gave it away. It puts the, the, the bet on the development team to be the difference maker. To take guys like Ryan Backer who have a safe floor and help that player reach his full potential. The risk here is not creating an NHL player. He probably already is going to be that. It's creating an impact player and a franchise cornerstone. Can they do the second part of what Detroit did and turn him into Moritz Seider and turn him into the kind of player who, when he's in the league, we're talking about him as a Norris um, nominee
1: at some point in his career. So with all that being said, like, like with their first pick last year, and I
0: like what the Canadians did with the rest of the draft last year, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do on day two.
1: But like with their first pick last year, I will reiterate the same sentiment. I hope they know what they are doing. Because looking around at teams like New Jersey and teams
0: like Buffalo, who are now the sort of, um, especially Buffalo, I mean, they, they, took, they got Zach Benson in like the middle of the first round, which
1: is wild. Those are teams that, yes, the rebuild is going well now. But, I mean, Buffalo has been
0: completely terrible, terrible bad for a decade. You can say the same about New Jersey. They were irrelevant for a decade. And while the, the rebuild has... They, they, these teams have undoubtedly turned their, their, their franchises around. To say that they were bad for all those years is not to say that they're never getting out of that. They are. They're, I mean, the Devils are already a Stanley Cup contender now. And I think it's only... I, I think that the Sabres are going to take a huge step forward this year. But you, you start to look at rebuilds in the sense that, like, if it goes any further, like, like how much longer are we going to tolerate the sort of rebuilding baby fat that the Canadians can have? And how much longer do the Canadians have to continue to add elite, elite talent especially up front, to this roster that
1: really needs it. So I hope they know what they are doing. So from one question move to another. Let's talk about
0: the Alex Newhook trade. It was not a... um. It was not a...
1: It, w- it was not a quiet few days for Canadians fans. Um, As we learned, the Canadians were essentially out on
0: Pierre-Luc Dubois, who goes to L.A., Um, which I think Winnipeg did pretty well there. Um, And he signs an eight-year, eight-and-a-half-million-dollar sign-and-trade deal to stay in L.A. for eight years. After that happened, Montreal pulled off a move for another RFA on the way out. Um, Montreal sent the Panthers' first-round pick and their own second-rounder, the 37th overall pick, to Colorado for RFA forward Alex Newhook. Um, before the draft started, Colorado already fired the 37th pick over to Tampa Bay for Ross Colton, who scored a Stanley Cup winning goal. At the draft, the Avs used that 31st overall pick on Russian defenseman Mikhail Gulyayev. Uh, new hook is represented by Cortex Hockey. Of course, Ken Hughes' old agency because everything in this league seems to be connected that way. Um, th- I'm not breaking any new any new stories here, but Montreal's taking a very similar bet to the Kirby duck, the Kirby doc bet from last season, right? An RFA forward coming off his entry level deal with a chance to break out and the Canadians being able to provide that player with a better opportunity to do so. Um, New hook is a 2019 draft uh, 16th overall, right after Cole Caulfield Um, last season, new hook played in all 82 games, which would have been very rare if he did so in Montreal scoring 14 goals. And 16 assists for 30 points. Folks seem to disagree a bit on his usage from last season. I saw Elliot Friedman say the Avs gave him a bigger role and he couldn't handle it. If if they did give him that bigger role, it wasn't for very long, like maybe 10 games max. Um, he played mostly with Andrew Cogliano and Logan O'Connor, and in the playoffs with Matt Nieto. He got a few games, I think around nine games with um, with Rantanen. So it you know it, it's in a few games with, with Nichushkin and Rodriguez Rodriguez, but he spent most of his time in the lower end of the Avs lineup. Marty St. Louis said they're going to give him an opportunity in the top 6 Um sight unseen. He's going to have that opportunity. He comes over as a center, but with, with Suzuki and doc occupying the top two center roles, he probably rolls out as a winger to start. Um, and as a left-handed shot, That probably puts him like very high up, if not at the top of the list, to start with Suzuki and Caulfield um, on the top line. I was taking in some draft profiles on when he was picked in 2019. What I could piece together is that his skating seems to be his biggest strength. He creates opportunities on the rush with his speed. He can go past defensemen with his speed. He has agility on his skates to change direction quickly. Um, He has a quick release on his shot. In junior, he really liked going to his backhand in situations where you really wouldn't expect a player to. He has really good hands, which helps him pull that off. It helps him get around defensemen as well. Um, In junior, his defensive game was a little off. I think recently he's been a little bit stronger defensively. And I think in a lot of the scouting reports that I saw on him, you know, they showed a player who was was improving defensively throughout his draft year in junior. Um, So I'm... I'm going to do what I do with all of these trades where I'm going to put it on the tier list. If you can, if you want to go right now to my Twitter feed at maybe it's Ian. I've already tweeted the updated visual on the trade tier list. Um, and I'll just, I'll say this right now. I have this as the only D, D tier trade to start. Um, New hook is a gamble. It's yet another bet Hughes is making this time, not only on the player, but on his development team and his player friendly coach to, to get the most out of this player and to give him an opportunity to become what you know people thought he was going to be when he was selected. Um, a first and a second for a middle six forward is a bit rich if that upside doesn't hit. Um, he's going to get opportunities to play with the Hebs' top offensive players. I think him being a left-hand shot forward is really going to allow him to play on that power play um, because they could use a shot opposite Caulfield for you know a, a one timer on the other side of the ice. I imagine a bridge deal is coming for for Newhook because I don't think that it's likely the Canadians commit too much term to him as they, you know, as much as they may like the player, he needs to he needs to prove what he is at this NHL at, at this point in his career. Um, like with every other trade that I put on this list, it has the opportunity to improve. If Newhook hits like Doc has, but as of right now, D is probably where where. If 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 it, if he turns out to be a third liner, that's probably where that goes. Um, but they're going to give him every opportunity to show what he can do. Uh, I just wonder if this was the kind of price that Montreal needed to pay to have a guy like this. Um, you know, I I thought about this that you know it seems like. Kent Hughes and Mark Bergman. one of their big summer moves was to acquire a, a restricted free agent. Um, you know, Mark Bergman did it most notably with with Andrew Shaw and Jonathan Drewing, and now Kent Hughes has done it with Kirby Dock, and now Alex Newhook. I will say that the the Kirby Dock one has worked out better than the... Uh, the, the Shaw and Durant ones combined so i i do I do believe that the Canadians know what they're getting in New Hook and that they find that this is a safe bet, but like with a lot of the other things they're doing right now, it's a gamble um, I you know I, I do have to say that safe is death, right like if they if they just keep the picks and they they draft somebody towards the end of the first round like it's you know, there's a chance that becomes an NHL player. There's a chance it becomes an impact player, but those chances are probably kind of low. We'll have to see how this gamble pays off. One way you can look at it is that it's Ben Sherat and a second-round pick for a mid-first-rounder in uh, Alex Newhook, which, through that lens, it's not really bad asset management by Ken Hughes. Um, But we have to wait and see how this plays out. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny on on not only not only him, um, in training camp, but a lot of the forwards, um, assuming Raphael Henry Pennard is back, which I don't have any reason to believe that he's not, uh, he's going to be under pressure to repeat what he did last year and likely do so in the bottom six of the lineup. Juris Lefkowski, he's going to be under immense pressure to um, play up to that first overall tag. Josh Anderson's going to be under pressure to sort of repeat what he was doing towards the end of last season because towards the end of last season, he was playing some of the best hockey we've seen him play. Um, That's assuming, again, that he's still here. There's a lot of summer left. Um, I'm really not sure what Kent Hughes does after this draft is over because there's not really much left to cross off the list. Um, But we'll have to see it play out. All right, that's all I've got on this night one of the NHL draft. Uh, you're probably listening to this as the second day of the draft is underway or over or about to start. I'll try to get back on the mic before it's too long to break everything else down that the Habs did or did not do. Until then, thanks for listening. I know some of you guys probably came here expecting me to either make sense of what the Canadians did on Wednesday or yell and scream about why it's bad. I hope I did a little bit of both. Um, appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in i know it i just just by <laughs> scrolling on twitter on wednesday night it's um there's a lot of people in their feelings here um reasonably so uh, I, I you won't you won't hear me claiming the other the, you know anything other than that um but hey someone's got to win a cup right why not us follow me on Twitter at maybe it's Ian for that trade tier list and other dumb things I decided to tweet Um, the music you heard at the beginning of the show and are hearing now is Inside by Fred Mugg check the link in the description to head to his Bandcamp page and check out the rest of his stuff alright guys enjoy the rest of the draft we'll talk soon see ya